over the course of the next 20 years, I expect to give a company £8,000. And I hope they don't pay any of it back to me. On Friday, I took out a new life insurance policy. It's not that I'm planning to die. I'm not. But I took this one out because I managed to live the past 25 years and so came to the end of the previous policy and it's time to do something new. Time to do something um, between now and roughly when I retire so that if something does happen my wife and family will be able to continue with a roof over their head. We buy insurance because our plans for life don't always work out. We might think everything is in order, everything is good, everything is going to plan, but then things change. And factors outside of our control have an impact. Perhaps it's something to do with our health. Perhaps it's a change in the global view of things. Maybe it's a political decision as governments change over time and how they will address it. But we do not control everything. And matters change. Look at the international car industry and how it is in the country at the moment. For a brief spell, people switched to diesel from petrol because they wanted to drop the CO2 emissions. They wanted to get those greenhouse gases down, it damaging the planet. Let's switch to diesel, more fuel efficient. And the government started to favour diesel vehicles with lower tax. But that change meant that nitrous oxide levels started to go up. Air quality in cities started to deteriorate. And the government changes policy again. And so as people turn away from diesel, car manufacturing changes. Plants come to an end. And on top of that, there's the uncertainty of Brexit. And other factors that can't be factored in. And so people lose their jobs and have an uncertain future 
in some parts of the country. The factors that we think are fine, a job for life, things going well, can change. And we are left to ponder what next. And it's in such a state that we begin our passage today with Abram pondering what next? What next in my life? He is a successful nomadic shepherd, but something is missing. A sense of the future. He has no plan of what happens next, or what he suspects will happen next is not what he wants. He is wandering, but that is all that's going on. He's lost his sense of purpose. While I, uh, the other day, was thinking about how my children will be supported if I die, Abram has the opposite issue. He knows he's going to die. He's an old man. He knows that death is near. He's somewhere around about the age of 100. And he says, but I don't have children. So what happens next? And he's left to ponder, what's the point? He's worked hard. He's grown the flock. He's got the animals. He's seen that the sheep have the green pastures and the water. He's gone from place to place to make sure that they are fed and nourished. He's got cattle too. But what's the point if all the effort, if all the flock, if all the herd simply goes to the servant? Why did I do this? We might think, well, that's a great blessing for the servant, isn't it? The servant has labored and he gets a reward. But Abram's view is that history for him will have hit the buffers. That's it. Over. No one will remember him. They'll remember the servant. And he has worked hard for no reason. And there are similar thoughts in people today. There are individuals in every community who are thinking, so what's it all about? What is it all about? They may be like Abram, wealthy, successful business people. Or they may be like Abram, nomadic, going from place to place because they are homeless. Maybe sofa surfing, maybe out on the streets. 
It may have been something connected with their work, their health, their home, their family, their friends, or some other matter that leads them to this point. But there are people of every background who need the encounter with God that reveals there is a plan. There is something more than this. Something more than my labours. Something more in life. And there may be times that those of us with faith need a bit of a reminder too that all is not lost. God is there with us. And we need to hear, as we heard Jesus say to his disciples last week, do not worry. And as God says to Abram in today's reading, do not be afraid. Because God is there. God is there. All may seem lost. But there is a future. God tells Abram to get out of the tent. Go and have a look. Look at the stars. There's a vastness there created by God. It goes off into eternity. That celestial canopy reminds us of just how powerful and immense God is. God is greater than the universe he has made. But here is God. And he's talking to an elderly sheep farmer. Because although great in power, he is also great in love. And he cares for each individual, each circumstance, wherever we are, whatever we're going through, God cares about that. And he uses the sense of greatness to speak into Abram's future. Your family will be great. Just look at those stars. You'll have as many descendants. As many as you can count. Even more. There are less than 10,000 stars we can see with the bare naked eye. And that's including those that we can see in the southern hemisphere as well as those that we can see up here. And this is, of course, in the days before telescopes that would allow you to see some more. The promise of descendants as numerous as the stars has been gone throughout all proportion. Many ten times over, that number has been reached. 
God's love is vast beyond our understanding. And a relationship like God has with that shepherd Abram is available to all. And Abram hears that promise. And he believes. Sometimes people doubt. Sometimes they wonder what it can be. But Abram believed. And it tells us in verse 6 that he credited it to him as righteousness. This seems an odd turn of phrase. You know. Normally it was what was said about an offering. If you went to a priest and you took what was required for the offering, the priest would look. And if it was right, that would be credited to you as righteousness. You know, you would get your righteousness. You'd get that forgiveness or whatever you were seeking, you would be cleansed for that moment in that understanding. The priest would look and he'd go, yep, that heifer is three years old. It's not an old brown cow. And go, yes, that lamb is fine. It's not a bit of mutton. And so, yes, that is a dove. It's not a complete rook. The understanding of that time was you took the offering, it got the stamp of approval, went through the quality control inspection, and went, yep, that's okay. And because it met the requirements of being the healthy beast it was supposed to be, you'd get what you were asking for. But that's not what happens here. That's not what happens. It's not an offering of a lamb or a heifer. We do see a heifer appear later on. But we're not at that point yet. What we see here is that Abram believed the Lord and he, God, credited it to him as righteousness. He is God. And God takes that belief, that moment of belief as saying, yep, you've passed the test. That's it. Nothing more. Just as we understand justification by faith in the New Testament. In fact, Paul in his letter to the Romans picks up this verse. 
And I remember a completely abysmal assignment that I did at college centred around it. I missed the point when me and my mate Stuart tried to do a presentation about being credited by righteousness. We missed the very point that we are justified by faith. It is simply by faith that God welcomes us into his family. It's not by works or by the ritual offering in the second part of the chapter. Simply that he listens to God, he believes in God, he trusts in God. Abram believes and trusts in the promise and God says, that's what I want of you. How often do we think it is our efforts, our plans, our workload that God wants, that he desires of us? What he really wants is for us to trust in our heart, for us to have faith, to believe in him, to know that this God who created everything loves each one of us, cares about our life and what we're going through and the pains and the difficult challenges and the things that happen behind the closed doors that nobody else knows about. God sees those things. He knows and he loves. How often do we miscommunicate that? And make those that are struggling in faith even struggle some more. Because they're not coming up to some impossible human standard. God loves us. He wants us to have hope in him. And in him we can trust. And when we do, he rejoices. He says, that's my boy. That's my girl. You are my people. And he stays true to that. And he says here that he's got to stay true to that. That's what all this weird bit at the end is about. With the bits of animals scattered, parted. Because... In the passage, God also promises land to Abram's children. Now, Abram hadn't said anything about land. He said, I'm worried about not having children. And God's response is, you've got to have children, and you've got to have all that land over there from Egypt up. That's yours. Because God has an abundance of love. Now, it's got to be a long way off. It's not got to happen in Abram's lifetime or his son's lifetime or his grandson's lifetime or so forth. There's generation after generation 
that will rise and fall. And Abram struggles with this more than the promise of children. But God says, trust me. So the offerings are laid out. Offerings of a sign of covenant, of promise, of dedication between the parties. A contract being established. And the fiery flame goes between the separated animal parts. It's like the flame that will come at the time of the exodus, leading God's peoples forward, leading them to that promised land, showing the way ahead. A flame that is a sign of God's presence with them. And the flame, only the flame, only that presence of God passes between the separated beasts. Not Abraham, just the flame. Normally, as a covenant is made, both people have to sign. I had to say I was going to pay the insurance company money. They had to promise that in return they would pay out should something happen. You go to buy a house, you sign the contract, the other person signs the contract. When you get a job, your contract. You sign to agree it, somebody from the HR department usually signs to an agreement from both sides. But here, as the contracts of the future, the covenant is made, it's only the flame that journeys up the middle. And the journeying up the middle was in those times uh, saying what would happen if the contract was broken. If the contract gets broken, you're going to become like the animals, torn apart. God says, in passing as the flame up through the middle of the animals, that if I break my promise, I will cease to be. That's it. That will be the end of me. God cannot break his promise. It's impossible for God to cease to be. But that's what God is declaring in that passing up. God doesn't break his promise. His word holds true. It is there always to be trusted. And in this we can have faith. It can't go bust. It can't break down. God can't be taken over. There's not going to be a company merger. Or one of those other earthly things. God is God. 
He will continue to be great. He will continue to have love. May we have faith in him. And may we have the joy of sharing our faith in him. Declaring the hope that we have. That he is with us every step of our life. Amen.